to uh, see him, open our hearts to receive him and his word this morning. I'm going to pray that the Lord will just do that for us this morning, will you? Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning and the opportunity to come before you. Our service has been about praise. Our service has been about the peace of the Lord, and I hope and pray that this morning that our hearts are at peace with you. Lord, we don't know when our time is going to be up. We're grateful all the time that you give to us. And it is my prayer that this morning you do a mighty work in our hearts from the Holy Spirit working and the Word of God. Lord, that combination is a powerful duet. I pray that, Lord, that you'll just accomplish your work this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you seem a little tired this morning. Are you tired this morning? Well, God is good to us for sure. 38 years that God has given to Westside Baptist Church, we are thankful for it. I had the opportunity to speak at a pastor's conference uh, this week, and there were several pastors and missionaries and things like that. And they asked, how can you stay 38 years at a church? And I said this, I said, as a church planner, you spent all of your money to get here. You were too poor to leave. God has been good over these 38 years, and His Word has been good. Ernie, I can't say thank you enough for picking the verse that you did this morning. My very first message here at Westside Baptist Church was Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience. That race that is set before us, and every one of us has that race. We truly want you to finish well that race, amen? All of us want to finish well. The old devil wants to get you distracted, though. The old devil wants to defeat you. Mark it down. You have an enemy. He might come alongside and smile at you and give you some goodies along the way and carry your luggage. But someday you'll find a life empty and broken if you do not have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and if you do not follow His Word and His ways. Amen. The Bible said uh, to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And last week we talked about that foundation. We come now to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. We've been into it for almost one year. And uh, those two verses there in verse 28 and 29, let's look at them together of Matthew chapter 7. Some amazing things here in this, what we might call an epilogue, the ending of this Sermon on the Mount, and it is actually by those that heard him. Notice what it says in verse 27, uh, 28 and 29. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were, what? Astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority. And not as the scribes. That's an interesting passage there. Uh, that word astonished, amazed. It's used in a few other places. Uh, you remember a different word though. That when he was uh, 12 years of age. He came into the temple. And he sat down there in front of the uh, uh, scribes and the religious leaders. And they were astonished. They were amazed that this 12 year old boy 
could have such words and wisdom that he had. And the Bible does say that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with man. What I would like to maybe bring out, though, is the tense of that word before we start this message. In some ways, this word breaks my heart, and most places where that word is used or its sequel to that word, it is in the imperfect passive. You say, what does that mean? The imperfect passive is you come to a place, and it's because of what came up to this place. In other words, this is the period and all that led up to it. And what's being said here, listen to me, is that this message that Jesus preached, verse chapter 5, 6, and 7, brought these play people to a place of astonishment, amazement. But it stopped there. It stopped there. And too often in church we can come and we can say, Oh, preacher, that was a good message. It's only a good message if we take it and use it in our lives and continue on. That's what God wants us to do. Does that make sense? I bring that out this morning. Because truly as he's laid this foundation and this house that's built upon the rock. It's not just on Sunday morning. It is every day of our lives. God wants us to be doing what he tells us to do. And oh, to listen to that still small voice no matter what comes your direction. 38 years, there have been times of discouragement. Just like everyone else that's living in here, there are times of discouragement, aren't there? There are times of great victories as well. Sometimes we'll find the devil working overtime when we've had the victories. We talked about this. Brother Johnson asked a wonderful question on Wednesday night. And by the way, Wednesday night we are talking about what makes a healthy us. And I want to encourage you to be a part of it. I I tell you what, God just brought this topic and this message and these messages that we'll be doing on Wednesday night together. What makes a healthy us? What can make a healthy preacher? What can make a healthy congregation? What can help make a healthy layperson? What can help make a healthy song leader, Sunday school teacher, deacon? We're looking at those things on Wednesday nights. And Brother Johnson asked us, do you get discouraged sometimes with the things that happen? Yes, you can. You can get proud for things that happen as well. And look what we've accomplished. Both of those are enemies of God. Can I just say that? Our pride will bring us low. We need to be very careful. But we talked about Elijah that night or uh, Wednesday. And I actually shared it with pastors because, you know, sometimes pastors do get discouraged. Our first 10 years here at Westside Baptist Church, there were 12 other Baptist churches and 17 Nazarene churches that try to get started in those first 10 years of our time here. There's only one of those Nazarene churches left and only one of those Baptist churches left. You mark it down, the old devil works overtime and discouragement. 
Elijah had come back from Mount Carmel. We said this on Wednesday night. And that wonderful, amazing uh, event that took place. How many know about Mount Carmel? Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And 400 or 900, however you want to read that, uh, false prophets and prophetess were slaughtered. Wow! Woohoo! Wouldn't that be a great Sunday at church? We had fire come down. The enemy was defeated in such ways. It hadn't rained for three and a half years. And Elijah says, hey, the rain's a-coming. And boy, it was a-coming. And they start running back to either Jezreel or Samaria. One of those two places might have been Jezreel. And they get back to, I think even Ahab was a little excited. And as he gets back there, he says, hey, sweetheart, Jezebel. (laughs) I don't know if he ever called her sweetheart. Do you think? Ahab ever called Jezebel sweetheart? Just kind of an oxymoron there, isn't it? Hon, let me tell you what happened, man. We have seen an amazing miracle. Well, all those prophets are dead. Remember how Jezebel responded? I remember how Jezebel responded. She says, you know what? You go tell Elijah. Send a servant out there. You go tell Elijah he'll be dead by the morning. How did Elijah respond after seeing such miracles from God? He ran to the wilderness. And in 1 Kings chapter 18 where this story is found, verse 4, he says, God, take my life. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, would you just come back today? How many pray that? You know, it's kind of another uh, way that we pray sometimes. Oh, if God would just come back today, we won't have to live through the problems, struggles, and difficulties. And this is what he said. He says, you know, I am no better than the other prophets. And what he was saying, if you read in between lines, we talked about this on Wednesday night. This is some of the good stuff that we can get on Wednesday night when someone asks a question. He said, basically in his heart, if they won't follow the Lord, if they won't follow you because of what happened on Mount Carmel and all this rain, what's the use of even trying? You hear it? What's the use of even trying? Have you ever poured out your life towards something and it seems like there's no good result? And so the Lord comes to Elijah and it, with a whirlwind, with a fire, with an earthquake. I mean, pretty impressive stuff. And then he speaks to him in his ear. With a still, small voice. Can I tell you, my friends, that that still, small voice is more powerful than the earthquakes and the fire when God says, I love you. You're not home yet. Finish your race. Guess what Elijah did? He got up and he finished his race. Amen to that? So if you get discouraged, you just listen to the still, small voice of a wonderful God who loves you and cares for you. 
They were astonished at his doctrine that he taught as one having authority. We could ask, what is the effects of this sermon? Are we impressed with all that is said? What is it? How has this message, the Sermon on the Mount, affected our lives in this past year? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? If we've been coming, and many of you have been coming for uh, at least a year, and you've heard the entire message on the Sermon on the Mount, probably about 15 minutes as it's recorded in the Scriptures. How has it affected our lives? Uh, we practice what's here. Someday we will stand face to face to this preacher. And what I want to bring out this morning is that it was an, uh, they were amazed because of the person who told that story. Uh, though uh, he appeared to be an ordinary person to them. Do you understand? He was not an ordinary person. But does God use ordinary people? Yes. By the way, we have our directory today that's out in the lobby. and We want you to pick up one and take it home. If your picture's not in there, you need to come and let us know and we'll get it in next April, all right? So we want to get those pictures to help people know who people are in the church so that they can be praying more effectively and know who people are and things like that. That directory is filled with ordinary people, ordinary pastors, ordinary deacons. And God wants to use them. After he'd finished preaching this message, a great crowd had gathered to hear this young carpenter. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, when he had come, uh, he was, uh, and when he was come into his own country, he had gone back to, to Nazareth. He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished again. And he says, whence hath this man of wisdom and these mighty works? How can this be that this carpenter's son is able to do such amazing things? And I say that there is a world out there that needs to see ordinary Christians, ordinary preachers doing the extraordinary because of the power of God. Amen to that? Let's not think that it's about us. It's about him and what he wants to accomplish. He had no training in school. He didn't get his bachelor's degree or master's degree or doctor's degree. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a scribe. He didn't sit at Gamaliel's feet. God uses ordinary people to turn the world upside down. Yes or no? And God wants to use us today. And I want you and uh, myself to understand how God is going to use us as salt and light in this world. We find that his disciples were just average fishermen. Acts chapter 2. But they are full of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to listen to this passage of scriptures. Uh, 1 Peter 4.11 If any man speak. Peter wasn't writing to pastors. He was writing to a persecuted church that was going through horrendous things. He says, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now hear me, congregation. 
we are finding there are so many people who are expressing their liberal, wicked agenda. I don't know if you read any information about the news uh, people's celebration last night, I believe it was. Anybody read about that? CNN and NCC and whatever they all are. And they all applauding themselves for what? The garbage that they give out there to people? The manipulation that they try to do to America? And then we as Christians, we kind of hunker down and, and hide in the holes. I'm going to tell you something. God wants us to be bold witnesses. And I'll tell you what, and preparing this message this morning and this week and this morning as I was going through some of these things and looking up some of these Greek words and stuff like that, God broke, broke my heart and I got down on my knees and I said, oh God, forgive me. How come we are not bold witnesses? We need to be sharing our faith. He says, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister... Let him do it as if the ability which God giveth. Boy, 1 Peter 4.11, that's an amazing verse. That God is all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me read it from a different translation this morning. It says, do you have the gift of speaking? Open your mouth. <laughs> Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. I can't say enough of how important it is that when we get into a counseling session or we come and teach Sunday school or what I get up here to preach, every time I get up here to preach, I say, Lord, you help me to say what you want me to say the way you want me to say it. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to the Lord through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. God wants us to be bold witnesses as if God were speaking through us. Because by the way, when you quote scriptures or you use scriptures, God is speaking through you. Isn't that correct? It's not your words, it's God's words. Yet today people are throwing God's word under the bus. I would not want to stand before a holy God having thrown his word under the bus. People think, well, they're just being intellectual. No, no, my friend. God wants us to speak with confidence of his word. Notice in Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. By the way, we're going to be talking about that on Wednesday night, praying so that the place is shaken. That's one of the things, another thing that God spoke to my heart in this uh, conference that I went to. Another pastor was up there preaching, and he talked about prayer and, and energized prayer, not just going through the motions of prayer. Y'all know what I'm talking about there? We can get into our prayer list, and we can go through those motions, and we can come to church, and we can go through those motions. I'm going to tell you, this church was persecuted. This is the first persecution, I believe, of the church. And there they prayed because of the persecution. They got on their knees, and the place was shaken where they were assembled, and they were all filled with the Holy 
Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. This was the congregation. The congregation. Let me ask you this question. Are we afraid to give out the gospel? Are we afraid to, to stand up for our faith? Are we maybe less likely to talk about God and maybe more about something else, sports or politics or whatever else? They spoke the word of God with boldness, with confidence, with conviction. How many believe that the Bible is the word of God? Can I see your hand? Do we convey that to a world out there that needs to see this? I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of being steamrolled by liberal, uh, atheistic, or agnostic agendas that are out there. How is it that people that are expressing such wicked lifestyles and wicked actions and, and, and such awful views about our God can just walk around with such pride. I watched a, a news program this week, and as I was watching, I was thinking, how can you do that honestly? Apart from not knowing the creator of the universe. We, as born-again believers, we know the creator of the universe. Wow. I am so, what's that? <laughs> they are, you know what, that, Brother Turner, that's exactly what the Bible says. People are willingly ignorant because they believe that what they believe will be all right when it comes to the end. I'm going to tell you something. You will never change truth by your belief. Truth is truth. And always is. And I tell you what, we get the preserved word of God. We get to study it. We get to read it. We get to love it. We get to have it as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We have a wonderful, wonderful God. Confidence. Amazed because of the person. And then we'll look at amazed because of his presentation and I don't have the time to go through the entire Sermon on the Mount again, but if you'd like to spend 15 minutes, you can read the entire message. How's that sound? I encourage you. They say it's the greatest message that was ever preached and uh, truly has so many things in it. Uh, poor in spirit, talking about there the Beatitudes and all the things uh, there in the Scriptures. Notice this presentation, and we don't want to miss this presentation because in this presentation... Many cults missed some things. And possibly when we went through it, maybe it was not as emphasized as others. But notice what he says is, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manners of evil against you. What? Falsely. He, he says, don't, don't be, in fact, he tells his disciples over and over again, don't be surprised if people say all kinds of garbage about your life. You stand up and be a light in the world and we stand up and be salt in the world. It creates irritation out there to the ungodliness and people are going to want to shut you up. And all of a sudden you're out there and you're talking about how great God is and someone says, man, you are so stupid. You don't believe in science or something else. And all of a sudden we shut our mouths and we let the gainsayer have a course in our lives that brings about uh, uh, embarrassment. It ought not to be that way. It's going to be persecuted. 
and, and, and these things for, for his sake. He says, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Not to have a pity party. Go out there and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Do you believe that? Say amen. How is it that we think that we want to ruffle feathers? We want to be politically correct. We want to make sure that we are, uh, what's another word that's used? Um, tolerant. And born-again believers in churches for the last 20 years have been buying into it. Only to find out, guess who are the ones intolerant? I have spoken at many political meetings at the state house and in our city halls and things like that. And people get up there and they give their fluff and all that kind of stuff up there. And then I get up there and I say, nope, that's not what God says. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like. How can there be one left? And we have given up much ground. Great is your reward in heaven. We need to believe that. We need to believe that. Notice as he goes on to verse 17. I love this verse, and I missed it, I think, when I preached it. Think not that, what's the next two words? I am. Boy, to do a study on the great I am passages of the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring that he is. And notice here, I am come. Now, don't miss this. He doesn't say I was uh, uh, born or I started, or anything. I came. You know what? Jesus Christ left eternity and came to this world. That's what it's saying there. God incarnate, Emmanuel, came to this world. That's what he said. He says, I didn't come uh, to think to, to destroy the law or the prophets. I, I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He's come to fulfill. He is the great I am. Here. Notice what he says, and we, we studied this in, in, in detail. Many will say to me in that day, who's talking here? Jesus Christ is talking. Let's not miss this. Uh, where's Brother Mike McCoy? Is he in here this morning out in security, maybe out on security? Uh, this, is, this is amazing. Amazing. Jesus Christ is saying uh, in that day, Lord, Lord. He's not talking about God up in heaven. He's talking about himself. That people in that day will say to him, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your names and men cast out devils and done many wonderful works? And then I will, who's the I there? Jesus Christ, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He is not only claiming to be the I am, he's not only claiming to be eternal, but he is claiming to be the judge of all end time. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Someday, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Lord, I will profess, he will be the judge. And he says, I never knew you. And then, lastly, in our 
message this morning, and boy, we're going to get potluck time early if I keep going at this rate, huh? (laughs) It was amazing not only because of the person, Jesus Christ. It was not only amazing because of the power which he gave the message, excuse me, the presentation, but it was amazing because of the power, the power that was given. He spoke these words as one having authority. The word there is the idea of power of attorney. He spoke and and these people were, they didn't argue with him. They didn't debate with him. Maybe there were some people on the Sermon on the Mount, the area there that they weren't amazed. Maybe they just went away and nothing happened. But there were people there that were amazed because of the authority of which he gave this message. And I guess what I'd like to conclude our message this morning is, is what is going to be our response from this amazing message that was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. There are times when God speaks to our heart and he shows us what we need to do. And my friends, we need to do it. If we really want to build our house upon that rock, then it's going to be hearing and doing what we've heard. And so we spent an entire year going through this. I spent 38 years as pastor, 47 years as a born-again believer. And God is building our lives and causing us to get closer to Him. And as you get closer to Him, another thing that we learned on Wednesday night. Another thing we learned on Wednesday night is that the closer you get to the Lord, the more you see of your own life the things that irritate or bother or sins in your life. Isn't that right? And I took Brother Wayne Johnson, and we had this big dot up there on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the screen. And uh, we could all see it real good. Then we had this little dot on the screen. And I took Wayne Johnson up there, and the closer he got, the bigger the dot got, didn't it? And that's what it is with the Lord and us, is we get closer to the Lord. We, we see more. We hear more. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Can I say this about uh, some of the things that I, I'm writing down and keeping a journal? We're going to be going over this on Wednesday nights also about how to keep a journal of how God speaks to you. One of the things that I've written in my journal this year is not to beat myself up when God brings me under conviction, but to be thankful that he brought me under conviction. Does that make sense? The creator of the universe speaking to us in that still small voice. This morning, uh, to come and be convicted of two things just in this message. And to get him come to an altar and say, God, thank you for speaking to my heart. Somehow we've got the wrong idea about an altar, don't we? Somebody says, oh, well, I don't want to make public now, I want, to make, I want to come and thank the Lord for speaking to my heart and getting things right with the Lord. You can do that in your seat, of course. But how many come to the church, hear a message, and it becomes, in the Greek tense, imperfect? You know what I mean by that? You hear, you hear, you're brought to a point that it goes no further. I wanted to go further. 
I'm going to tell you something. Any one of you and I and deacons or whoever we might be in having God speak to our hearts, man, once God speaks to our heart, then we want to keep on keeping on for Jesus Christ. It is a thrilling journey. I wish I could help others to understand how thrilling it is, but until you experience yourself how wonderful our God is, maybe you'll come to that stop and stop. Don't stop. Keep on going. If God speaks to your heart, and, and last uh, Easter there were 10 people that raised their hands about salvation. God spoke to their heart. It is my prayer that they invited Christ to come in their heart. It is not a period. It's not the end. It's the beginning of a new life. And actually, it turns into the perfect tense. Not the imperfect tense, but the perfect tense. My life has a place where I am born again, and it keeps on going for the Lord. I would hope that this morning God would bring you to the place, bring me to the place where I sense what he wants. What he spoke to my heart about was this idea of being bold. How come I mammy pansy around things when it comes to speaking truth or inviting people to, to God or telling people about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? May God help us with that. Their response, you know, the apostles had a different response. In fact, this was after he preached the uh, I am the bread of life. You all know that passage. Uh, some churches use this in aspects of communion. But he was talking about himself being that bread of life. And he wasn't talking about there to eat his body. He says in that passage that you take this, it's, this is the words that I give to you. They're spiritual words. We've taken in the Lord. Tell you what, uh, in the morning time we take in his word, it's like bread, it's like manna. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. And after the Lord had preached this message, there were many people who were offended and left. They didn't understand it. And, and that happens a lot, doesn't it? People just don't get it. I mean, I went to church with my grandmother, went to different kinds of churches and all this stuff. I didn't get it. Peter says here, after the message, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And they kept on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ. The message reveals uh, so many truths that are found here in the Sermon on the Mount. He came and gave his life so that they could have the truth. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the, what, word of God. You know, we just need to get more of it in our lives and being able to use it. I was in traveling up to uh, Somerville, which is by La Grande. I had the, the opportunity to go to a young uh, man from Vietnam. Wonderful. He had just gotten saved. Just gotten saved. And uh, it, was, it was wonderful traveling with him. He had some Vietnamese food. We had duck. We might have had dog. I don't know. But uh, someone said that he does a mean uh, chihuahua. So I, I really don't know. <laughs> you know, it's one of those times that you say you don't ask what's really before you and you just eat it. We ate some green stuff that I, he never told me what it was. But uh, I ate it anyways and... But he wanted to say, he says, how do you know, how do you know when God's speaking to you? 
And I shared with him some of the things throughout the years of my life of how God spoke to my heart and how he uh, used those things in my life. And I said, you know, one of the greatest ways that you can know is in prayer when you ask God to show you what he wants you to do. And he does it. You know, that's the part of prayer that sometimes we don't get. We'll talk about that on Wednesday night also. Do you think I'm putting a commercial in for Wednesday night? Part of prayer that oftentimes we miss is the part of being silent. You know, sometimes we got to talk. We got to keep talking. We got to keep asking. And we uh, supplication and and uh, maybe uh, praise or uh, thanksgiving, and those are great things. But sometimes there's a time where you just need to listen and say, "Lord, what should I do?" And then you just be quiet. We. Uh, uh, my wife and I are going to be celebrating 40 years in August of marriage. Uh, she has put up with me for that long. We have decided to go to Egypt and Israel for our 40th anniversary. But, Larry, you know me. It's not cheap to go there. And when I looked at the price tag of going there, I said, well, maybe, honey, we... We really don't want to go. Why don't we just go to McDonald's or something like that? <laughs> Yesterday, I, uh, I said, Lord, how do I know whether this is right or not? I mean, I really struggle with it. Sometimes we struggle with our own selves. Isn't that right? You all struggle with your own self? Sometimes we're our worst enemies. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what to, what to do. Will you please direct? And in my prayer journal, I came to something that I wrote down in January that is a part of my, my prayer, something that I'm working on this year. It's Philippians chapter 4, someplace around verse 13, where it says, I have learned how to be abased and how to abound. You say, well, Pastor, how did that answer your request? Because you see, this year I want to learn how to abound in Christ. It's easy to learn how to be a base sometimes, isn't it? I mean, for me it was the 15 years of poverty here at Westside Baptist Church and raising six children without medical insurance. And sometimes it's hard to shift to be an abounding and let the goodness of the Lord and his grace, and, and, and how wonderful he is. And so yesterday we booked our trip. I won't tell you how much it cost. <sighs> Larry, you be proud of me, I tell you. I says, honey, we're going. She says, great. He says, can I help pay for it? I said, sure. <laughs> oh, God's good to us, isn't he? Oh, amen. Faith come by the hearing, hearing by the word of God. God can give you a scripture to help you to know that this is what God wants you to do. I, I remember I was riding my bike and my whole plan at times riding my bike is to pass out tracks to people that I run to, run into, not run into, but you know what I mean, you know, mean? You know kind of going that way. And uh, I, uh, I, I went past a man that was walking the other direction. And this is what I said. 
Karen, I said this. I says, you know, I should have stopped and talked to him. And this is what God says. Why don't you turn around and do it? You hear what God wants us to do, then we need to be doers of the word. That's what this message is about. He says, he that heareth this, these words of mine and doeth them is like the man who builds his house on a rock. I want to ask you a question. Who is leading your life? What are the decisions that you're making? Is it God-ordained decisions? Or are these just the manners of which you have come to practice? You know, we get in the habit of doing the things that we do, and we don't ask God when he wants us to get out of some of those things and change our lives. So he spoke as one having authority. We serve a God. When you receive him, he gives you the authority to become the sons of God. Go out there and live like a child of the king. Amen to that? Let's not live as if we're still in the gutters of life. Even to them that believe on his name. If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, be a bold witness. Share your faith. Listen to what he has to say. And go out and be a doer of the word. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. And How has God spoke to our heart? In a moment we're going to sing, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. After thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. There were things this morning that God woke me up with in preparing this message to put into this message for somebody here. And as this message has been delivered, we've asked God to help us to say, to hear what God wants us to hear. Open our eyes was a song that we sang just before this message. If God has opened up your eyes and you hear and you see, then what are we going to do with it today? We're going to give an invitation. And I know for me, I've already gotten on my knees. And at that pastor's conference, man, I went forward and asked God to help me in my prayer life. Boy, I tell you what, when God speaks, I am so thankful Invitation time is a time of victory. A time where we say we're going to get off where we are and get back to where we need to be. And if God has spoke to your heart, maybe he's broken your heart about why aren't we more bold for him. I encourage you to come. I encourage you to come. I encourage you just to lay on the altar what he's laid on your heart. You can do that in your chair. You can sit and turn around, make your chair an altar. You can stand there and pray. But we need to act upon what God has laid on your hearts. And I think coming to an altar is a good thing. I really do. Maybe this morning you're not certain of your eternal destiny. And God's speaking to your heart about that. I, I encourage you as you come here, let someone take you. Or you can go out the back even and... Someone will meet you out in the back. Brother Zach's back there. He can meet you out in the back and uh, have someone share with you how you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you'll spend all of eternity with God and have all of your sins forgiven. What a wonderful gift 
God wants to give to you today. So if these are decisions to be made, I encourage you to make them. We're going to sing Have Thine Own Way. Let's stand to our feet. We can, as the instruments plays a little bit here, we can sing it or we can hum it. We can come on forward to the service and make sure we conclude this service in victory rather than in defeat. To be bold, coming to an altar might start the boldness of going out there into a world that does not know Jesus Christ. Let's sing it a couple times through. Let's respond as God leads.